This is the CineSnob Podcast. Welcome to episode 142 of the CineSnob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Cody, we are um, uh, in the midst of screener season. I think uh, we don't have to leave the house for anything other than a couple blockbusters yeah. coming up here. I think just like Jumanji, and that's that's about it. Jumanji and uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, right, 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 yeah. So uh, I, I believe um, Jumanji is this week, and I think uh, Skywalker is next week, which means oh, you're going to Cats. Have... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't, they're, they're not going to send us a screener for Cats, huh? Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. They did. They they have for the last uh, few giant musicals like that. Because I, I remember getting into the woods and um, I believe Les Miserables. Maybe I'm. Re- I believe that they're scheduling Cats on the same day and possibly even the same time as the Rise of Skywalker screenings. So I think that should tell you everything oh, really? you need to know. Yeah. Oh, for real? I haven't heard of that at all. Yeah. Uh. Wow. That means you're going to have to uh, uh, make the choice. Pretty pretty difficult choice on your part. <laughs> on my part personally <laughs> <laughs> that's what i thought that's what i thought you said no, no um that's uh you're you got to come to austin to see uh see rise of skywalker because yep you chumps down in san antonio don't get shit yeah i'll be making the trek up to uh to old atx to that theater that's cramped and small and awful it's an it's okay it's not the it's not the best, it's not the worst, but yeah. they put us in a terrible theater for Avengers Endgame. Uh, yeah, I believe that was the IMAX theater, was it not? I we weren't remember. in IMAX, no. Oh, maybe not then. I, I don't. I don't remember. I, I know that there's. It's yeah. It's it's cramped and a pain in the ass. But what are you gonna do? Wait, wait like a jerk and see it three Two days, days later. later? No, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Please, yeah, fuck that. Come on. Uh, has there been anything that's uh, that's really stood out to you uh, that you've watched screener wise that we haven't talked about yet? Um, screener wise, not so much um, because I think we had gotten a lot of the stuff prior to getting screener, so it's been a lot of rewatching for me. Um, I saw you rewatched Knives Out. Yeah, I rewatched Knives Out last night, which I liked quite a bit again. Um, and then I'm gonna. Uh, there's some stuff coming out within the next couple weeks, like uh, like Bombshell and and, and uh, Uncut oh, yeah. Gems and stuff that I'll probably throw a rewatch on. Yeah, I you I actually didn't have uh, screenings for those yet, so I, I and I still have yet to watch them. I think Bombshell just got here a couple days ago, uh, but uh, our screening for Bombshell wasn't until like the 16th or something crazy of this month. Oh wow! So it was a pretty late screening. And I I haven't seen Uncut Gems. I I really I really do want to see it because I I don't want to, I want to know the context behind Adam Sandler saying that he'll make the worst movie ever. <laughs> what was it? He'll make the worst movie ever if he doesn't get an Oscar. If nomination. he doesn't win an Oscar, <laughs> which I th- which people are taking really seriously, and it's kind of bothering me that people are not understanding that he was joking. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't know how people can uh, take that stuff at face value, but. Here we are, and that's what's happening. Um, you've uh, you've also had a lot to say uh, about your love for the uh, Warner Brothers uh, has developed an app for screeners now. Yeah, it's yeah, it's called FYC, uh, uh, standing for for your consideration, of course. And uh, yeah, they're the first major studio to to not only 
well, other studios have put up digital uh, screeners, but uh, Warner Brothers this year built an app that you can download on Apple TV or uh, I'm using a Roku for mine. Um, and it's just flawless streaming. I wish the, the movies were a little bit better. Um, not that there's <laughs> nothing, you know, there's some good, decent stuff in there. Um, one thing comes out uh, next week. I think uh, Richard Jewell comes out next week, which I watched on there. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, I, I, it's been great. I don't know if you've had the chance to use it yet, but it's, you know, it, it's such a first world problem to complain about screeners that we get. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it, it, having DVD quality screeners just sucks. <laughs> it sucks watching like a standard definition uh, even though we're getting these movies ahead of time in our mailboxes, you know, they they come as standard def regular DVDs and it's not a pleasant movie watching experience. And the Warner brothers app is entirely, uh, HD and it's really awesome to watch an HD screener quite frankly. Yeah, no, I, I'm 100% on board with you. I, I had kind of slept on watching marriage story. And then, uh, when I was able to watch it on Netflix, uh, which, which we're going to talk about later in this episode, I was able to watch it on Netflix, and I was just so much more pleased watching a, an HD version of that. I don't know that that version or that movie would have made too much of a difference watching so. it uh, standard def versus uh, HD. But uh, uh, there are definitely some that I, I like the Irishman when I watched it on DVD was really compressed because it's so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know you could. It was a little muddy. I probably it probably helped part of the Irishman because it didn't it didn't uh, accentuate the poor quality of the digital de aging at times. Yeah, that's true. But but uh, it, it's still it's I'd still rather watch it on an app or some sort of digital. Even the digital links are are a little bit easier, but yeah, they're just a pain in the ass to set up. It, normally speaking, because you either have to cast it to your TV or you have to use a HDMI cable and just building in the app is just so much easier. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's, uh, usually those things are kind of, of junky, but this one seems to work really, really well. So. Yeah. And anyway. if we, if we talk about Richard Jewell next week, you'll be able to test it out and, uh, see how it works for you. Yeah. Myself. Yeah. Not our, not our listeners, but yes. yeah, that's why I was talking to you. Oh, oh well, I see you say you, but you'll talk to, you know, there's more people than just me listening. So. I was just making sure no one was going to try to think they were going to get to. You could no, download no, the no. app, I guess. You could download the app, I guess, as a as a civilian because it's just there. Yeah, you, you can't <laughs> log into it, but but you can have it if you want. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anything else uh, before we move on? Um. Oh, oh go ahead. No, I I I had another thought that I I don't think is is pertinent, but go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I'm glad your cough is gone. Yeah, fuck that. It's still around a little bit, but good lord, I don't know how well. I, I didn't listen back to the episode much. I did have to cut out a couple of coughing fits, but I don't know how well you could hear me on the episode actually coughing, like with my face shoved into a blanket. <laughs> I mean, I could or, hear it on my end, so I'm, yeah, I'm assuming it was broadcast uh, to the world. We don't have any kind of sound engineers here to turn our mics on and off, so it uh, it's just sort of a, a uh, uh, you know, we got to get as far off mic as possible. I mean, my my mic has a or, mute button on it, so if that ever happens, well, to my me. mine does too, but it's uh, it's not always the uh, the easiest thing to do when you're about to cough your brains out. So, mm-hmm. so uh, we're hiring for a sound engineer if you want to 
come in there. It pays nothing. Uh, there's no benefits. And, uh, and we can't offer really, college credits. Yeah, you can't just sit really close to one of us uh, <laughs> to push the mute button. <laughs> you got to be like right up next to me to push this mute button if if I start coughing. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, thanks thanks for the well wishes there, Cody. It's only been a it was like a month long cough. It it's wonderful. Uh, glad you're uh, back on your feet or mm. on your throat. <laughs> yeah. So is that how to say it? I use my throat every day. So, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have Marriage Story. Nora says there's no coming back from this. Fuck Nora. They fucking Nora telling me I always lived in L.A. even though I never lived in L.A. How could you ever say those things about me? Jay said them about me too. You should have fired Bert. I needed my own asshole. <sighs> let's just... Both agree both of our lawyers said shitty stuff about both of us. Nora was worse. Jay called me an alcoholic. I pulled the rug out from under me and you're putting me through hell. You put me through hell during our marriage. Oh, is that what that was? Hell? And now you're going to put Henry through this horrible thing so you could yet again get what you want. It's not what I want. I mean, it, it's what I want, but it's what was... was. What's best for him? Oh, well, I was wondering when you get around to Henry and what he actually wants. Oh, fuck off. No, you fuck off. If you listen to your son or anyone, they can tell you that he'd rather live here. Stop putting your feelings about me onto Henry. He tells me he likes it better here. He tells you because he knows it's what you want to hear. He tells me you're on the phone all the time. You don't even play with him. Because I'm going through a divorce in L.A. and trying to direct a play in New York, which closed because I wasn't there. It was a huge opportunity. Fighting for something you don't even want. Uh, this is a, a film that you and uh, a few of our other friends have saw a couple weeks ago i believe right you had a uh, screening? yeah i was close to probably a month three three four weeks ago or so oh gosh uh yeah and and haven't have been raving about since um and you've you've rewatched it at least once right just once yeah i was waiting until it just hit once. netflix okay so you rewatched it um but yeah it's it's gotten uh, uh great reviews from from you and people that we know uh what did, so tell everyone what you thought of marriage story well i think any discussion with marriage story starts at the top with the writer director noah bombach especially because he has not traditionally been my favorite filmmaker um a lot of people really love squid and the whale and i really don't um <laughs> uh there's I don't know. I, I between that and Greenberg, um, which I also really didn't like, um, and then also it, 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 as he started working with Greta Gerwig, it got a little bit better. Like I think Mistress America was probably his best movie um, mm -hmm. from a couple of years ago. I think we both liked that movie quite a bit. Yes, um, yeah. Uh, and Francis Ha was fine too. Um, but uh, I, 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 it's it's interesting to see him because. A big concern of mine throughout his career has been there is a level of pretentiousness that I could never quite get over. Um, mm -hmm. And I think this is the movie, and people will argue this because I think that Kiko, our colleague, um, believes this to be a criticism of the film. But uh, I, I really do think he sheds a lot of that in this movie and makes a, a really um, – uh, approachable movie uh, in a sense of taking on a subject matter that is, you know, really prominent within culture uh, of of marriage and ultimately divorce, um, which is what the movie ends up being about. Um, and and I think he's made his most approachable and least uh, 
uh, off-puttingly um, pretentious movie yet, um, which is refreshing for me as someone who really did not enjoy that in his previous film. So um, I think it, from starters, from again, from the top up, I think that uh, the film has probably the best script this year. Um, it's really well-written. It's got pockets of time a lot of people will talk about the emotional sides of things but it's got pockets of really funny stuff in there um like it seems like every few pages of the script there's a there's a good joke or there's um a, a, you know you're laughing at the absurdity of a scene you know like when scarlett johansson goes on set and she's you know that whole scene is played for comedy and um and stuff like that um yeah yeah it's, it's pretty it's like a it's a real satirical takedown of like you know um the hollywood culture well and i think a satirical yeah. takedown too of of broadway as well and um in theatrical stuff as well um, oh oh maybe uh, maybe i'm thinking of your when she's in la oh i was thinking of both uh, oh, okay okay you know i think that the the main draw of the film is and i think what a lot of people are talking about right now are the acting performances kind of across the board um and I think that it features at least the two leads giving the best performances of their career. Um, Scarlett Johansson, who is really great in Jojo Rabbit, is is really good in this and gets a chance to really um, explore a, a, a pretty big emotional range. Um, she's got a couple. She's got a monologue earlier, early in the movie, where she's in Laura Dern's office and, and talking about her marriage. That is a lot of close up stuff that that I think is really great. Um, the supporting cast is great. Uh, Laura Dern, as mentioned before, is, is, is again, I don't know that it's the best performance of her career, but, um, I really like her. There's a scene stealing Alan Alda, um, who I liked quite a bit. Uh, Ray Liotta's good, but for me, the movie, it's, it's, it's Adam Driver's movie. And, um, and I think that, uh, he is absolutely phenomenal and I think gives the performance of the year from any actor I've seen thus far. Um, I, I, I've been a little critical of Adam Driver in the past, not act, uh, like really getting what he does because I feel like he's really subdued um, in a way that I, I feel is kind of it, it's weird to me. I, I I've never quite got his energy, and I think this was the movie that everything kind of clicked for me, where I finally understood him as an actor and was extremely impressed by it. Um, and and then you know you can tell me what you thought about that, but I but there's one more point I want to make. Um, which is that, well, two points. One point is that uh, <laughs> I, I, we differ a little bit on the intensity of the emotional weight of the film because I personally think that it is it, it is at times devastatingly sad. And um, particularly there's a couple scenes, there's some courtroom stuff, there's a big blowout that happens in an apartment um, that is just kind of brutal to watch. And I, and at times, especially that scene, a little bit unpleasant even. Um, and, um, uh, I, I think that it's, it's just, it's not an easy watch. And I think it's especially that way for people who have been around divorce, um, either parent or children of divorce or adults who have gone through divorce. And I think that, um, it, it rings really true in a lot of ways of, of just sort of watching the snapshot into a really nasty divorce that kind of escalates as um, more people become involved within it. And I think to Bombach's credit, um, there's a lot of debate online because, you know, it's a Netflix movie, so people eyeballs are on it, and so people are talking, which I think is great because I think this movie needs eyeballs. But there's a lot of talk about whose fault it was or whose side you're on. 
And I, 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 I do think that it may be more of Driver's story, even though I mm-hmm. feel like we get a good sense of Scarlett Johansson, uh, her character, and we spend a lot of time with her and we get to know her perspective. It may be like 55-45 Driver, in my opinion, but I don't think that Bombach ever puts the audience in a position to pick sides. And I don't think that he ever tries to put uh, the blame on anyone. And I don't think that he ever tries to um, put anyone uh, 100% at fault. And I think because of that, you get a story that is just kind of showing the ways in which two parties contribute to um, you know, the, the disillusion of a marriage. And I think that, that it's to his testament that I, I don't think that we should – I don't think anyone should be having that argument because I don't think it's relevant because I think that – Inside the movie, it's about the process and this uncoupling between uh, this relationship. So, I mean, I could talk about this movie for hours, but um, yeah, yeah. I, look, I, I I echo your sentiment about the performances. I think they're all outstanding. Um, as far as uh, I mean, it's it's not a very big cast, but Adam Driver is great. Scarlett Johansson's great. Uh, Laura Dern has a lot of uh, uh, a lot of good scenes. Uh, I figure it's probably a, probably the most cliched role in the film. Uh, I think it's you know the little the high powered female attorney sort of deal that's coming after uh, someone's money, uh, you know, an ex husband's money. Um, Ray Liotta is, is good in a brief role. Alan Alda is really good. Uh, I do have some issues with the story. I don't quite feel like it. It's an equal partnership in the, you know, in the in the who the film blames, so to speak. I, again, I don't know that it necessarily matters, but I don't, I think it plays a little too evenly. If, if you're, if we're, you know, trying to, to determine whose fault it is. And I think that kind of undercuts a little bit of it. Like the, you know, it's certainly not, it's certainly ugly. You know, that there's, there's scenes of the, these arguments that are, that are really cutting and really well written and really well performed. I think the the first uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson monologue you talk about is one take, if I'm not mistaken. No, there's there's some edits in there, but the end of it is is one long take. Okay, there's, there's a, there's it, it, it cuts long... to Laura Dern a bit. Yeah, there's a, okay. Yeah, okay, you're right. I, I but there is some some pretty uh, a pretty long uninterrupted stuff from from uh, Scarlett Johansson in that scene. However, uh, you know the. The kind of um, the movie I think tries to have it both ways at the beginning with the the scene where uh, their voiceover uh, of each performer is is reading a letter they've ostensibly written about their partner, the positives in some sort of therapy session, and I think it tries to have it both ways to show that there's sort of different interpretations of things. I don't really know that the story uh, plays that out. Um, because it just seems like there's two people that are, that are, it doesn't seem like there's two sides to these stories, I think, as the film goes on, because I think it tries to make it so, uh, even keeled. Um, one of these things I wish would, I wish would happen in a movie like this. And, uh, do you remember, uh, I, I complained about this a couple of years ago in Still Alice with, uh, um, who, who is it? Julianne uh, Moore. Julianne Moore, who who won an Academy Award for the role, um, it's it's these these horrible problems, but they're just super rich people going through them, and it, it takes the stakes out of it quite a bit for me. 
when it comes to... Yeah, go ahead. I mean, look, Scarlett Johansson's character is an actress who was in a teen movie and then went to be in Broadway and then ends up getting the the lead in a pilot that goes to series. Like, she's fucking rich in this film. Like, that, there's no problem there. You know, it, I don't... The, the movie portrays it as some sort of... Uh, you know, starving artist thing, but it, it, at that point, she's not, she's, she's going to be doing okay for herself. And, uh, at another point, um, uh, driver's character wins the MacArthur genius grant, which is a, a big, you know, it's not, it's not pilot money, but it's a big chunk of, uh, it's a big chunk of money that he has as this like starving New York artist thing. And it, it just bugs the shit out of me when these you tell this story and and the people's problems don't don't also come to financial terms you know it's just it's about who can hire the most expensive attorney and i mean we're talking like a $50,000 retainer attorney at you know billed at 950 an hour it's not it's so, just go ahead here's here's the problem that i have with this because kiko has the same problem and i think it's a i i, I don't i i'll be nice and i say i don't agree with this for a few reasons one is because there is a driving mechanism that needs to happen to have the kids split between New York and L.A. So that's a huge part of the movie and a huge part of the reason why they go to court and a huge part of the struggles that they have within their marriage is because of the kid. And I think it's a perfectly reasonable and valid mechanism to why someone would transfer between New York and L.A., Part two of this is that the movie is semi-autobiographical, and this is largely about Noah Baumbach's divorce to Jennifer Jason Leigh. So there is some element of writing what he knows, even if it's not 100% autobiographical. The The third part to it is that it's all relative, right? So if it's a story, I don't see how a story about rich people becomes harder to uh harder to relate to when the themes remain the same. So yes, it's <coughs> so yes, it's about expensive attorneys and stuff, but it's about attorneys that are making them go broke. So it, it's it's while the number signs are higher, the impact that it's having on the people are the same. It's just relative. It's just relative to their status and their income, but it's it's the same as if you would look at someone having a cheap ass attorney that's still expensive that's causing them to go broke. Like the divorce sends Adam Driver to go broke. He has to take shitty jobs in order to pay for uh to pay for his attorneys, you know, and he has to, you know, pay for thirty percent of her attorneys <laughs> but, and stuff. But, so. but it's the shitty job he takes is directing a play. I mean let's let's then, put it all into relative, perspective but, here. Well that's what I'm saying. It's relative I mean because these care, I mean, if it's if it's a story about a famous couple or something like that, I mean, if you're making any movie where someone is an actress or in Hollywood or something, that's going to be their life. I mean, it's it's to me, it doesn't take away from the theme. Like, I don't watch that argument scene and go, "Oh, well, they're rich, so it doesn't really impact me." Like, it's no, it's it's a very human humanistic story and script, and I think that's the thing that drives it. I, I don't I I don't want to say that that takes away from the power of it, but it does undercut a certain level of the 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 other conflict in the film that you know he's got to travel to L.A. Like, okay, how would a normal person do that? How would someone who doesn't have a hundred and twenty five thousand dollar grant do that? How would someone 
who is not an actress in a, in a pilot, you know, say, say she was a normal person who had to uproot and, and get it and wanted to get a job across the country to be closer to her family. What would she do if she wasn't an actress? Would she be able to afford a home in LA on her own? All this other stuff that comes up that, that the movie hand waves away because they're so rich. And I get it that if it's an autobiographical story, I get it. I don't really think anyone knows the story of Jennifer Jason Lee and Noah Baumbach, but I do think it does undercut a little bit of the the issue. And the movie even even kind of answers to that in uh, the courtroom scene uh, where it gets really ugly, you know, by pointing out that there's people that don't have the resources these people have. I just I just feel like it's one it's one little obstacle that was taken away for the purpose of storytelling. And I don't think it 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 makes it uh, immediately as powerful as it could have been, because look. If this woman, if Scarlett Johansson's character was an actress, uh, you know, in a, in Broadway, but that's all she was. She wasn't some celebrity uh, who had a film career before and, and went back to star in a pilot. Maybe that would play a little better and, and be a little uh, closer to the themes that they wanted. But as of now, it just becomes like, hey, this rich person needs to go back to L.A. because she wants to do a pilot. And her, her rich ex-husband who's, you know, granted not as rich, is going to have to fly out there every other week and get a place. Like, what kind of normal person would be able to afford afford a place in New York and L.A.? And I think that's just one of the things that that plays to the pretension a little bit. Like, it's again, it doesn't undercut the 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 themes of of it being an ugly divorce and the power the power of certain scenes but it does it does take away a significant level of drama in my opinion oh but, i disagree completely <laughs> i i know i, I i'm just telling <laughs> no, you i mean yeah. I, I i look if 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 you want it to be about this i mean look if you if you can take that with with take this the film at, at face value without thinking about like wait a minute these people have a lot of money I think it it works perfectly. I, I think if you consider that in, I think it takes away a level of 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 impact that it could have had. Um, I don't think it makes it bad, but I do think it, it's it's a little bit of a dramatic shortcut that that didn't necessarily need to be there. Mm-hmm. And and for me, like I said, it's just it's a, it's a mechanism to make I think a lot of the the child stuff um, and having the child involved really hit home because again i see it as a mechanism to 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 get them to to try to because i mean being the the new york family versus the la family is a huge uh hinging point of and contention point of the divorce and i think that that's um you know something that i think is is in place to to make that work so yeah i i and, and again i i i think that um, above all else, I think a lot of what people will take away from the movie is is, um, and I think we've touched on it enough is just um, the performances. And I, I just feel like there's certain things like that that apartment argument scene that I feel like is going to be a scene that um, that people really walk away like recognizing like the level of talent that both of them show. And there's a clip circulating on Twitter right now, which doesn't which kind of short changes it a little bit because it doesn't include everything that built up to it. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I was just, I just walked away being unbelievably impressed by almost everything about it. Um, from top to bottom. Uh, 
and and really feeling like it's it's probably the best movie that I've seen in several years. All right, what's your grade for Marriage Story? I give it an A. An A, wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a solid B. I, again, I, I think the performances are great. I just have some issues with the story um, that we just discussed. But anyway, it's on Netflix now. If you want to watch it, um, again, I, I do think, barring my complaints about the story, I think it the performances are excellent across the board. And I don't what 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 are they? Uh, I don't even know who's in the running for Oscars right now. But I know uh, uh, Laura Dern just won Best Supporting Actress for this film. It's some critics thing. I don't yeah, Adam Driver is is pretty high on. I mean, Best Actor is stacked this year. I mean, there's ten guys vying for five spots, but uh, Adam Driver is might possibly be in the lead currently. Um, it just all kind of depends, you know. But you've got him, and uh, a lot of people want Antonio Banderas to finally win. Um, uh, Adam Sandler's in the in the conversation. Paul Walter Hauser from um, from, oh, Richard, from Jewell Richard Jewell recently mm-hmm. jumped in the conversation. Joaquin Phoenix is in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a ton, a ton, ton of people um, who could be vying for those five spots. Hell, you could even throw Eddie Murphy into the mix if you want to. Um, I, w- I would love to, personally. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. But I, I really do think that come Oscar time, watch out for this one to, to, to at the very least, I feel like, screenplay is is a a screenplay win might be in effect for for marriage story but i think that dern and driver and johansson are all front runners if not you know one two in a lot of these uh in, in a lot of those categories yeah all right let's go ahead and move on to our next movie waves hasn't it let go of a prayer for you how you doing with everything i'm good just a sweet word you know it's okay if you're not table is prepared for you i'm trying to give you the tools to succeed in this world it's not easy out there everything i do is for you everything i know you're under a lot of pressure right now but i'm just getting really scared but you'll have this place to call home everything's gonna be okay all right always we're in this together This is uh, one of the rare movies I come across each year where I go into it not knowing anything at all about it. Uh, it was a little bit of a refreshing feeling at the beginning. And then by the time it ended, I felt like I maybe still didn't know a lot about it. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, what is what is uh, what did you think of Waves, Cody? I have. Well, it's it's hard not to have multiple opinions about the movie because and I don't I don't think this is a spoiler unless you're you go in anticipating it particularly um but it is a movie that is essentially split in two mm-hmm. and um uh the first half is about um is about a, a a kid who is a high school senior who is a uh, a big wrestling uh athlete and he's under a lot of stress from his dad and pressure from his dad and also his girlfriend. And then the second uh, half of the movie shifts to the perspective of the sister of the family and um, and in and, and the aftermath of, a, of something that's life-altering that happens. Um, and uh, it really is a tale of two movies, in my opinion. Um, I found the first half of the movie, 
Um, even though I think the performances are generally pretty good by like Kelvin Harrison and um, and Sterling K. Brown, um, I found the beginning to be extremely off-putting. Um, and I think that's due to something that I'll bring up in a minute. Um, but uh, I think that uh, what what you ultimately get in the first half of the movie is like a slow-moving car wreck that yeah. you can tell is building to something. You can tell something's going to happen at some point, and it just takes fucking forever to get <laughs> to the point. It takes like an hour at least. But it's so. But it's repetitive. It's the, it's the repetitive nature of this kid continuing to make bad decisions, but he's making the same bad decisions, so you're just watching him make the same bad decisions over and over again. And, and again, you can feel that something's going to happen, like everything's going to come to a head in some capacity, and I just, it it really, truly does take like an hour to get to the point. And I remember watching, you know, because it tries to play off as a powder keg. And for me, I'm just for me, I was like, okay, can we just figure out what what's going to happen eventually here? <laughs> like, like literally wondering when the other shoe is going to drop. And it's literally the 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 other shoe slowly dropping for an hour. And right. um, and then of course everything that you're expecting happens in some ways. And we get to the second half of the movie, which is a surprising change of pace that I think is a great movie, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> the perspective shifts to the sister of the family, played by Taylor Russell, who is 25 years old but looks and plays 15. Um, <laughs> I remember Kiko and I were watching the movie, and we were both like, wow, that the kid in the movie is really great. <laughs> and, then, and then later on, I think we both separately looked her up to see if she had been in anything else and saw she was 25. I was like, Jesus, man. I, yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's crazy. But um, it, it shows her, uh, along with Lucas Hedges, who I think is really great as well in the movie, um, and it, and it, and it, and those two characters kind of take off and have their own story, which is really sweet. And, um, and, uh, and I think that's the real emotional crux of the movie is all on that story and all on that character. And, and it just, again, it made me frustrated at the end of the movie because I'm like, they kept the best character of the movie sidelined for an hour. <laughs> and it's, and I, I, I just wish that the ratio was somehow different and we could have got more of what's ultimately a really fulfilling story about healing and, um, and, and healing through uh, tough experiences and, and undergoing a lot of family trauma or, um, or uh, family stressors and, and, and coming out on the other side a different person but a, a, a stronger person. Um, and I think those themes really hit hard. I think the acting is really great, especially from Taylor Russell, who, who, is, mm-hmm. who is getting a lot of um, – really late Oscar buzz too for her performance, which I feel is completely valid. Um, I, it's, it's so weird that it takes an hour to get to her, her, her performance really. Mm-hmm. She's in the film before that, but it takes so long to get there. It does. And I, I think, look, I, I, I think that the movie, so it's, it's directed by Trey Edward Schultz. And I think that the movie is really aggressively directed. Um, and I think that it's showy, and I think it's showy in a very off-putting way. Um, and I mean that by, and I, and it's almost like I understand every decision he was making, but I don't like it. Like, <laughs> like in the opening scene has a camera that's moving around in circles, three hundred and sixty for a while, 
and then the camera's constantly moving throughout the movie, and then the aspect ratio changes three times, and then it changes again three times at the end, which, again, Mm -hmm. I get it. The walls are closing in on him. Whatever. I get it. But (laughs) it's it's such a... Uh, it, it's such an again. I think it's over directed to the to the point where the movie doesn't need to have three different goddamn aspect ratios and then do it all over again. It doesn't need to have the constantly moving camera type stuff. I just think that the the direction is a little obnoxious to be to be frank. Yeah, I think it's really sty- it's really really stylized in the first half of the film. I, I think it eases up a little bit in the second, but the first one. And I mentioned this to you. It's uh, in the opening credits. A colorist is credited. Yes, which is usually way down on the list because the colors in the film are so. I mean, it it's it's kind of gorgeous in some parts uh, in the beginning of the film, but it does. It is a lot of style over over this this substance. Like you said, it feels stretched out uh, to the point of 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 exhaustion, where you. You know, you you know something's happening with this kid. Uh, you know something is gonna break, and then when it finally does and moves on, it feels like like you like the end of one TV episode and the beginning of a next. That's that's like sort of completely different in a way. Yeah, and and I think um, that was one of the problems I had with the film um, overall. And then like. Uh, I mentioned this to you before. I feel like Sterling K. Brown's character in the second half of the film is a different person than in the first half. And I, I don't know that that's necessarily um, totally not what would happen in the real world, but I feel like it doesn't do the character any favors. Um, you know, I, I never feel like there's a real sort of catharsis for the character that was in the first half when it came to the second half. Cause it, because not to spoil anything, but he's kind of an asshole in the first half. Well, he never takes the burden of responsibility for right. his role sure. in everything. Sure, um, but then by the end of the second half, you're you're watching him be contemplative and and solving problems for his daughter. And I, I just don't, I don't, I can't square those as the same as the same character from the either half of those either half of the movie. Um, you know, I I do again. Um, uh, the sister Emily Terry Russell, that was her name, right? Sorry, Taylor Russell. That. Taylor Russell, um, you know, has almost no 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 existence in the first half of the film, and I don't know that that helps her in the second half of the film. Well, it, I she kind of stands on her own, but it doesn't. You know, you're just meeting this character essentially in the second half of the film. At, well, at, the same with Lucas Hedges too, who has a big emotional arc as well. Who, who you see like one time prior to the second half of the movie? Too. I, I don't. I don't mind that as much uh, because I can see you know that being the case because he had no association. Again, it feels like. Did you ever? Did you ever see any of uh, Euphoria on HBO? I didn't. No. It feels a little like that. That sort of outrageous teen lives thing, you know. And it feels, in a way, it feels a little episodic uh because of the 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 kind of stark differences between the narrative in the first half and the second half um you know it's there is some really great performances i think the second half i mean sterling k brown is is always going to bring it ever since christopher his role as christopher darden in the yeah. 
the people versus OJ Simpson. I mean, this has been the guy that he's the fucking MVP when he shows up. Yeah. Um, I don't think the script does him any favors in the first half. Um, or at least it doesn't explain his motivation or, or anything beyond kind of being a tough dad. Well, and I think it also does the mother character a lot of disservice too, because she's the one who's arguably the most emotionally impacted by, uh, by the by the actions of the first half, and she's sort of like background dressing in a yeah, lot of the stuff. Um, and there's a there's a kind of a strange plot revelation about her. Yeah, that I don't really quite understand. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, uh, I I but, just I just I I don't know about you, but I, I mean. I remember watching the first half of it because I, I saw this movie also close to a month ago, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I haven't seen it since. But I remember sitting next to Kiko, and Kiko like like turned to me and was like, "Oh man, uh, like something about like this is really intense or something like that." And I just never felt it in the first half. I never felt the intensity of everything. I was maybe a little tense because I I knew that something was going to happen, and like I didn't want to be scared out of my seat if it was like because i kept on thinking that well i won't say uh but i kept on thinking that something (laughs) was going to happen because there's a lot of scenes that happen inside of a certain thing is that vague enough wait you repeat that i I don't i don't want to spoil what it's not and end up ruining someone's because i okay i'll just say it a lot of scenes (laughs) happen in cars so okay 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 i get you so the whole time i was watching that first half i was like okay a car accident is coming uh, yes, okay. And so I was anticipating that, but I was never like, oh shit, something bad's going to happen. Like like the best example I can re- recall at the top of my head was like watching End of Watch, the Michael uh Michael <laughs> Pena and Jake Gyllenhaal movie where yeah. that that movie is just clenching for like a solid 20 or 30 minutes where you're like, <laughs> "Oh my god, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm really afraid right now." Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this movie wants you to do throughout the first half of it, but by taking so long, by making it so repetitive, and by quite frankly making its lead character so uh, so aggressively dis- like unlikable. <laughs> well, yeah, he starts off pretty likable, and then he gets really unlikable. But very quickly, though. Yeah, like it's yeah. It's, it's a steep drop off, um, and uh, and I think that it does not do any favors to everything. And it's and it's I can't recall the last time I remember having completely different from like straight up not liking a movie at all. And then the second half being like, Oh wow, that was, I really liked the last hour of that. <laughs> like it's, it's so strange. I feel like, uh, me- was it melancholia? Oh shit. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one, that one was fucking, that was, uh, that movie's insufferable in a lot of ways, but I remember the first half being particularly inf- insufferable and the second half being just sort of weirdly insufferable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do feel the same way. I didn't. I didn't dislike the first half of the movie. I just felt uh, it took too long and was too stylized to effectively keep that tension going. Because yeah, like you like you mentioned, it's it wants you to feel like you're on this on the hook for an hour, um, but by being repetitive and, and and not really kind of of showing this character go from you know like he. All of a sudden, he does bad stuff. Basically, is is how his his arc goes. Like he's because he seems to be a normal kid for the most part of the of the first half, and then you start to see him do bad shit. Yes, you do. But also, 
there's the implementation of like of like painkillers and stuff, which it doesn't really even go down that road either of <laughs> of like having him be like addicted to painkillers or whatever. Um I don't know. I just I feel like it was such a messy first half, man. I, I just did not like it. Yeah, I, I don't really know what we're supposed to feel for that character by the end of it because, you know, it he's he's got issue with his dad, Sterling K. Brown, but that doesn't really seem to to be what manifests itself into the bad thing that happens. No, not I, at all. Man, I don't I don't I don't yeah, I just don't really get what the first half was trying to do. Uh all right, what's your grade for waves? You know, I've been back and forth on this, and I think I ultimately have to give it a B minus and recommend it because I do think that it does redeem itself. I do think that the second half of the movie is good, quite good. And I think that Taylor Russell's performance is one of the better things of the year um, and in a real revelation of uh, as an actress for her where she gets a lot thrown at her and she has to essentially put the entire half of a movie and one that kind of struggles a little bit on her back, and I think she does so um extremely well so i'm gonna give it a b minus but really on the on the uh heels of the second half and and taylor russell yeah i think i think i'm gonna agree with you b minus for me the first half is a little too dense and 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 such as we explained a bunch but uh yeah taylor russell is really really good and lucas hedges lucas hedges i feel like just sort of showed up and played the part like in his sleep but i don't mean that as a bad thing like I just feel like it was a, a very, a very easy role for him. There's Maybe a great, I'm... there's a great scene of him expressing his love of manatees that I, I like quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. But B minus for me too. All right, that's gonna do it for this week. Next week, do you have a Jumanji screening? Are you getting one? I think we do. I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna go or if I'll just oh. use my uh, pass to go see it. Were you a fan of the last one? Not, I think we talked about this, right? Yeah, not really. Um, I, 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 I think it was a little bit better than your average like family adventure movie, but, um, but I, I, you know, I, I didn't love it or anything. Yeah, uh, I, you weren't a big fan of the original though, either. I was as a kid. Oh, you were. Yes. Okay, as a kid. Yeah. Man, you fucking kids. You millennials. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, also, uh, Richard Jewell is opening, I believe, as well. That's right. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll review that too. And Jumanji you know, and- I I wouldn't mind either if you get to any of those screeners that of of stuff that's going to come out. We may as well cover them, even though they won't be out for like a week or two. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll pick something else up too along the way because I got time again. I uh, I need to watch more, but uh, we'll definitely we'll definitely talk about Jumanji and Richard Jewell. But I'm gonna say definitely we won't do a show next week. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> uh, so uh, if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at net. Find us on Twitter at Cinesnob, Facebook Cinesnob Critic. Uh, again, we're uh, we're uh, going to be doing uh, Star Wars here in a couple weeks. So look for that episode, and we'll probably do a spoiler-heavy episode. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, we will probably – I mean, I think what we did last time was just – uh, spoiler tag the hell out of it. Um, and this one and is going to have more did... spoilers than any of them. Yeah, we did that for Endgame, but uh, yeah, we'll do that. So look for that in a couple weeks. Don't uh, don't listen to it before you go to the to see the film unless you really want to get spoiled. I, I just wonder who bought. 
Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just wondering who buys the fucking novelization of a movie like that. <laughs> I, I don't know. It comes. Out. Yeah. I, do you have people on your friends list who, like, after Endgame, were like, "Hey, spoil the whole thing for me." Uh, no. I, ha- um, I have. I, I have had quite multiple the people do that for me. I have quite the opposite. I have people that like don't want to hear jack shit. Um. Yeah, yeah, it's I funny. To... I I was at I do I did my friend Jerry's podcast recently, and I mentioned that I was going to be um, seeing it on that date. And they're like, "Don't even tell." Eddie Pence, who's the other guy on there, was like, "Don't even say if it's good or not." <laughs> like, like that is considered a spoiler <laughs> to to them. Yeah, it's a it's such a weird. Um, and I I get it. That and we've talked about this, but God, that's that's why I'm loving the Disney Plus dropping stuff. One week at a time, because I don't feel like I have to to fucking rush and watch The Mandalorian before uh, before something gets spoiled for me online. Mm-hmm. By the way, I, I'm I'm curious. Um, do you think? Because I I believe um, so. This week would be the third the the sixth episode of The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. uh, and then the seventh episode is uh the next week and it's eight episodes when does star wars open uh this is 19th so i'm curious if there's something in the mandalorian that's going to directly connect to the film because it's like right at the like right Hmm. at the release date i'm just wondering how how much they're gonna how much they're gonna to try to tie everything together it's a curious it's a curious thing because i wonder like how many people like because they're because they're doing that, admittedly with with the Marvel films. Like you got to watch this shit to understand what's coming next. Right, right. Uh, and I wonder if they're doing that with Star Wars at all. But we'll yes, see. we'll see. All right. Anything else before we go? Nah. All right. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.